Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wizards Apprentice podcast. I am your host, Seth, and welcome. We have a lot to talk about today. I really look forward to this fifth episode. Let's go ahead and dive on in. Question of the day is, where should my campaign start and what should I prepare? But first, let me tell you about what you're listening to. The Wizard Apprentice podcast is designed for players and DMs alike to get short, informational, and purposeful talks to help make D&D more enjoyable and smooth. With talks from world building, character creation, practical guides on monsters, and much more, we are dedicated to improving your game. So again, the question of the day is, where should my campaign start, and what should I prepare? There's a lot of contention that comes with this question of where a campaign should start. Some people are diehard fans of, we start in a tavern, while some like to diversify where the campaign begins, and there's not necessarily a wrong answer. Um, you can do a lot of things with a lot of different locations. And so today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be breaking down uh, a couple of different locations that have worked for me in the past um, on a large scale and a small scale, talking about what we should do to prepare if we start in those locations, and then also just the benefits of starting in each of them. Um, so again, this is all subjective. This is all down to what works best for you. What works best for me will probably not work best for you, but the goal is that uh, you will be inspired and you'll be able to find something that does work for your campaign because at the end of the day, all that I really care about is that your campaign is improved and works and it goes smooth. So let's go ahead. Let's jump into this. Let's dive on in. So I have four small scale and four larger scale places that will be kind of starting this campaign. We'll start with a small scale, uh, which is kind of the immediate what's happening with the party right now as they are starting off. Um, you can start your campaign by kind of bringing in players sequentially, like one at a time, having them introduce themselves and get acquainted to the area, and then introducing another one, and then another, and then another. You can also introduce your characters in pairs um, which has worked for me in the past, and it's great. What I'll do is I'll say, hey, each of you guys take three minutes and buddy up um, and just talk about how your characters might know each other. And if they do, why would they be going to this place at the same time? Are they going to the tavern because they both would just want to get a drink and take a load off the, for the day? Um, or are they going to, the, to this festival that's happening because they're wanting to earn some money off of a couple carnival games? Um, if you have them work as pairs, not only does that start the campaign off a little bit quicker, but also the party's going to already have some role play potential because the party already knows each other. And lastly, you can also incorporate a campaign where everyone starts all at once at the exact same time. You guys are all in the tavern, um, whether they know each other or not. You could do it where every single party member like you guys have been a party for about a month. Oh, okay, great. I guess we're, I guess we can do that. Uh, or you guys don't know each other at all. Okay, I guess we'll do that. Um, there's not necessarily a wrong answer. Um, I would be cautious though. If you are introducing characters sequentially, don't take forever to get to the last character. 
Um, I've had campaigns where I was a player and I was sitting there and I was so excited to introduce my character and I didn't get to talk until about an hour and change into the session. And that's just, it's not, that's not very enjoyable. It's cool that I'm seeing all, all the other, all these other characters get their moment, but I mean, what's going on? I, I want to play D and D, right? So let's go ahead. Let's break this down. The first location or the first start is I'm calling it a journey somewhere new. The party is all going to a new place that either they have seen or have not seen, but they're all on this transportation together at the same time. So this is a locomotive of some sort, whether it is a caravan and you guys are in a cart, you guys are on a boat, you guys are on a hot air balloon, a train, a blimp, whatever you guys are on. Or maybe you guys are just walking and there's this large group of people walking towards it and you guys kind of bump into each other. Um, the whole point of it is that you guys are um, traveling to a new location uh, for either the same reason, maybe that there's a festival or something that is on the end of this travel, or um, for all different reasons. I'm going because I want this. I'm going because there's something here in this city. What you're doing and the benefits of this is that the goal and the party already has a, a plan in mind. We are reaching this destination, which means that it gives you pretty much a free encounter because if the party is willing to kind of put up, I say put up a fight with reaching this destination, that means they want to go. They're willing to travel in what could be an uncomfortable space. Um, if something happens and they need to defend themselves, i.e. they get attacked by thieves or goblins trying to attack the caravan or a sea serpent attacks the boat or however you want to do it, um, they might be willing to try and fend them off and maybe that's an early combat encounter for your party. It gives them a little bit of time to kind of get to know each other as they're kind of traveling on this locomotive together and then now they have an opportunity to jump into the fray with one another and kind of fight their way out. Another benefit to this is that the party is in a confined space. Um, we know that uh, some sometimes players can get a little excited and want to run around and look at all the cool things in the world, which is great. But if you have something planned, it can be difficult because you're trying to get everyone in the same spot and the bard is out flirting with somebody again. And you're like, dude, you're killing me. <laughs> and so having it in a confined space can help you kind of keep tabs on the party as you guys continue. What should be prepared for this if you do start with this journey somewhere new is you should know who is driving the locomotive or either the captain of the boat, uh, the person who runs the caravan, whoever is riding the blimp. You should at least have that and one other NPC that is on this locomotive with them. Reason being is that if the party asks around and there's no, no players around, they're just asking questions, there's at least someone that they can talk to and that you can always have a moment of the captain saying, hey, thank you for joining us on this adventure. Or uh, he takes his hat off and solemnly reports that something will be uh, arising, a problem might be arising. And having that will let the party um, think, oh, snap, well, this, this guy's real. We have his name and stuff. Well, maybe we can help him. Another thing is how are they getting there? Like what is the actual mode of transportation? That's kind of obvious, but think about it. Um, is this, what kind of world is this? Is this a high tech world? Um, I'm running a campaign right now where there is, there's a lot of this ancient technology that is still being used, even though we don't know how to replicate it. And so there's this railroad that the party is using 
to travel to different cities. And so maybe it's on that. Uh, or maybe my campaign's a little bit too, it's not quite modernized like that yet. Okay, so then maybe it's a caravan or maybe it's a, maybe it's a boat. You guys are traveling to across a lake or across the sea to this new continent, so on and so forth. Um, also, what is going to happen when they get there? And where are they going are places, are things that I think about. Uh, what is going to happen when they get there? Either the party is all looking for the same thing or different things. If they're looking for different things, um, you you might want to help them fulfill those things and then give them a reason to come back together for another reason. Or if they're all going for the same reason, a festival or something, be prepared to have that, like have that ready. Um, and of course, where the actual location itself, whether it's a city, it's a, it's a continent and they're just trying to, they don't really care where they go. Um, have that ready. Another location would be the tavern. Dude, there is nothing like saying we start in a tavern. It's just so cool. It's so exciting because it's just, it's a classic and everyone knows what happens and what is in a tavern. So one thing is that it is special. That is something that players will go, ah, I like that. That's cool. There's already something to do in the par- in the tavern. The party can drink. They can play uh, games. They can play cards or dice. Um, they can talk. There's plenty of NPCs in a tavern, especially if it's a later in the evening. Um, there's a lot to do in a tavern. Also, it's low stress. It's not super difficult for a DM or for a player to get invested in a tavern. You give them a cool name, you get a cool barkeep, and you get a couple cool people in there, and they're hooked on that spot. They say, oh, that's a cool spot. That's a lot of fun. And also, it's an environment for socializing. A tavern is a place where you go to relax and hang out and talk with people. And so it's going to be a great place for the party to kind of naturally become acquainted with one another. What should be prepared for a tavern is that you should uh, you should know who runs a tavern, normally the barkeep, um, and one to three other NPCs you might want to be meandering in this tavern, whether they are um, they are barmaids or they are they're, they're people that go there often or they're playing a game of cards. They're people that the party is able to interact with and you'll have prepared uh, one to three usually is going to do you just fine. And if they don't interact with them, bring them in the next time they go. Um, lastly, um, I want to say second to lastly, um, you should have something happen in the tavern, whether it is a game, a drinking contest, uh, some musician or bard that is going to come and play something that lets the party all see something together and lets them all think about it together. Um, lastly is you want something that is going to pull the party out of the tavern. There should be a reason that the party should step out together. And they should all work together to try and solve a problem or to um, maybe someone's looking for a challenge. Someone's trying to hire the party. They hear a rumor about something. Um, you can do a lot in a tavern because a lot is happening in a tavern. Uh, let's go ahead and let's move on to our next location, which would be a festival. So a festival or some celebration. Um, maybe someone's there's someone's anniversary or some wedding or um, maybe that it's something that every year the city puts it on or however you want to do it. A festival can be a lot of fun for a party to start off the campaign. Um, there could be room for mischief. So a rogue who's uh, pickpocketing or trying to cheat at games. A bard who is playing to try and earn more cash. A cleric who's healing and um, doing stuff for people. However, however, your players 
they can interact on their own terms and they can audit, they can start showing off their skill set as they enter into the carnival or the festival, whatever it is. Also, you can have carnival games um, and interactions with NPCs that are running those games. Um, and so those could be NPCs you meet later on. And also it gives the players something to do that's not necessarily just combat because it seems that in, in some DMs, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but some DMs will have combat be the only time that players are really rolling stuff, which is okay. Um, but it leaves that there's a little bit of a missed window of things where players can um, play carnival games. Um, you could do arm wrestling. You could do dart throwing. You can do, uh, dude, I, there's so many different things that you can do with that. Um, so have some games prepared. Have some NPCs prepared to run them. Have some interactive games to play. So how would I do arm wrestling? Okay, well, two people come up. They do uh, contesting athletics checks, and the winner wins and gets two silver pieces. Um, and then it's an entrance fee of one silver. So you go in, you play that a couple times. The barbarian gets in there and just bam, 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 just starts winning. Then he sees someone bigger than him. They fight. It's fun. So carnival games, NPCs to run them, how you actually want them to do, how you actually want them to play the carnival games. Um, another thing you might want to prepare is a common area that will call the party together. So maybe it's someone making a grand speech, um, and there's a stage and they ask for everyone to come to towards the stage. And so the party, they kind of start entering towards the same location. Um, and something that would make the party want to work together. Um, that is going to be your starting plot hook. It doesn't have to necessarily be the plot hook for the whole campaign. And a majority of the time, it isn't. Um, but either this person making this speech or this band, something happens to them. Maybe one of them falls ill and passes out on stage and everyone's confused. And so we investigate it and someone poisoned his drink. And we go in and find that. Or maybe uh, an arrow is flung and it strikes the person that has the microphone. And we look around and see the goblins are attacking the city while we were distracted. Or any infinite other combinations or infinite other plot hooks you can do to get the party to start working together. Either they roll initiative in combat now during this festival or they go somewhere else to try and uh, figure out or solve some dilemma. By using the carnival as a starting ground, the party gets to know each other and gets to have a little bit of fun on their own terms. And then it allows the party to work together by using this common area as a place for them to all to uh, begin to notice each other and begin to work with one another. The last location that I will uh, talk about, like an initial location, is I'm just calling it, it's that the party is picking up on some trouble. The party has caught themselves in trouble and either they know each other or they don't. So that could be that the party, they've been working together for about a month and they are all trying to escape a, a group of guards because the rogue stole something and they're all arguing and stuff as they're trying to escape. Um, maybe that there is um, there's a gang that is fighting them and they realize that they were losing. So they're trying to escape or maybe they're in the middle of combat. Like I like I start I start saying all right, Bard, it's your turn. And you see that the rogue is pinned and he has a huge guy on top of him and the cleric is fighting somebody and the barbarian is currently beating the snot out of somebody. What do you do? And starting it off with a bang can be an interesting way to get your party's attention. Oh, snap, something is happening. What is going on? And then by filling in tidbits as you go, it it's not only going to give the party something to do immediately, 
but the party will very quickly get to know one another and their strengths. Um, and also, it gives the party pretty much the rest of the session is kind of prepped for you because the party is thinking, I need to get away from this and I need to get out of this. How am I going to do it? And so the party is going to work together to try and solve the problems that they either created themselves or they got themselves into. Um, so picking up on trouble, starting off with something chaotic, something a little bit crazy, something that can be really fun. Uh, you could do a chase sequence, combat sequence, a dialogue that's going wrong, like saying, all right, rogue, you just rolled in that one on your persuasion check and this guy's not happy with you. What do you do? Um, what I would prepare for this is I would say, figure out what is going on, who are they running from or who are they fighting, um, who's behind this, if anyone, either uh, a, a bit of a more of a long-term kind of, I say villain, long-term antagonist to the party for a couple of sessions um, that might be trying to stop them. Um, what will help the party, if anything? What I mean by that is if the party is trying to escape, are you going to have a escape goat planned for them? Do they need to find one? Or are you going to help them at all? Maybe is there someone that's going to come in and help them or an ally of the party that they'll eventually get to know or someone swoops in and saves the day or are you just going to leave them out to dry? There's not necessarily a wrong answer there. Any of those answers can work. Um, also, is there going to be combat? And you need to be prepared for combat. Have your stat blocks ready. Have your initiative ready um, to help. Uh, this is going to be my homebrew tip of the day. Um, for combat... Uh, if I want to keep it moving and keep it quick and keep it smooth, I will either have initiative pre-rolled for my combat and I just have the party roll initiative um, or I will have my monsters go at 11 and at 1 and I'll split them up into two groups. Let's say there's let's say there's six creatures that the party is fighting. I'll have three of them go at initiative 11. I'll have three of them go at initiative 1. Or I will have pre-rolled them in groups of three or groups of two, because having six different initiatives, okay, this is bandit number two, okay, bandit number four is going to go, um, that can that can kind of slow down combat. Instead, I'll just group um, the enemies into certain, like, um, initiatives, and then I'll have them all go at once. So, okay, these three rogues are going to go. This one's going to do this, this one's going to do that, and that one's going to do this one. And that makes it to where the combat seems like it's progressing a lot faster than it might be. Um, also when I'm asking my party for initiative, I'm not just going around the table saying, okay, you got a 16. Okay. You got a seven. Okay. You got an 18. Uh, now I have to rewrite that. Instead, I'm going to go highest to lowest. I'm going to say, all right, who got a 25 to 20? Who got a 20 to 15? Okay. The rogue did with an 18. Who got a 15 to 10? Okay. The bar did with a 12. All right. Who got a 10 to five? Okay. The barbarian with a seven and who got a five to one? Oh, cleric with a two. How delightful. I will use that and I'll be able to break up my initiative and I'm able to put down initiative quickly. I'm just saying, hey guys, whenever you roll, just hold on to your number, don't tell me. And I'll actually ask you as I go down the list. It makes it to where just getting into combat is a lot quicker instead of it being a three minute, four minute prep time of rolling initiative, getting up my stat blocks, having it all ready, having it all ready to go is a great way to just leap right into the combat. Less than a minute of prep time to get into combat, which is really cool. It keeps the game moving a couple more things that i want to kind of uh, get into before we wrap up this episode of the wizard apprentice podcast is um the large scale location as to where the campaign will start because we've talked about the smaller things you know a tavern a, a, a journey a festival but where are those going to be taking place or where are they arriving to 
So there's four kind of settlements normally. Um, there can be others uh, that I, I won't actually kind of mention um, that you can kind of figure out yourself as what fits for your campaign. But these are four of the most common starting locations for a campaign. So one is a capital, a capital of a continent, the capital of a nation, just a huge, huge city, a massive complex, huge walls. Um, it's very, it's thriving. It's humongous. Um, that is a good way to kind of show the grandeur of the campaign right off the gate and saying, hey, this campaign is massive. This campaign is really cool. The party will probably spend the foreseeable future within the walls of this capital if that is what you want to do with it. Um, so if you want the campaign to be like, all right, I'm going to just build out this capital. I'm not going to worry about the rest of the the rest of the campaign setting for now. Just going to build this capital out for three sessions, four sessions. And that's going to really, um, the campaign is going to grow in quant uh, quality, um, not necessarily in qual uh, quantity. And that's okay. The campaign doesn't, you don't have to have 40 different locations. You can have one and just really fill it out. And the party will see, wow, this place is so lived in. And they probably won't, they, if they, if they want to leave, that's okay. You can just take this, if, if they leave and they go to the next city, take and copy the blacksmith and put it over there. And then whenever the party comes back, just find a new one for the capital. That's okay. I do that all the time. Next up is a large city. Um, a large to medium-sized uh, city is going to be good. For, uh, I, that's usually where I'm going to start my campaign. It's not, it's not in the biggest place. But it's also not in a super small place, so there's plenty of there's plenty to do in there. There's plenty of people to meet, um, but it's not necessarily going to be as massive as a capital or as small as a village. If you are starting in a village or in a smaller city, that's a great place to start. Um, again, you're not showing off the crazy, humongous side of your campaign off rip. You're kind of keeping that close to your chest and revealing it as you go, but. Uh, it gives just enough to do in the city, and maybe there's stuff to do outside of the city as well. As you kind of uh, shrink down the size of the starting location, it makes everything else around it feel bigger um, and feel like it's worth exploring. For example, in the capital, you aren't really going to want to explore outside the capital because there's so much to do in the capital. In a small village, there's not as much to do. There's a little bit. There's a small quest board. There's a couple of tasks you can do. There's a couple of people to meet. But after that, I mean, you're looking around and you can describe this great, beautiful landscape or these dangerous woods that lie at the edge of the city, at the edge of the village. Maybe you want to go in there. Maybe there's someone trapped in there and maybe there's some quests or something to do. And then lastly, if you have a small villa, a very quiet hamlet, less than 100 people, very small. That means that there's a lot to do outside of the villa. The villa, there's there's a little bit. You got their food, they got their stuff. It's not very big, but outside of it, everything looks bigger. That's the adventuring, that's the wild, that's going out in um, through these dangerous dungeons, through these dangerous forests, through the jungle, through the wilderness, however you want to do it. Having a villa and starting them off in a small environment makes everything else bigger. For your location, I have a couple of recommendations of things that you can start um, having in your in your city, there are about three or four things I would have prepared um, whenever you start your city because most of the time a regular D and D party is going to be looking for these and is going to want to purchase or use these facilities. Okay, so number one, a tavern, no duh. 
The tavern is going to be your bread and butter for lounging and re- relaxation. Normally, a tavern will be attached to an inn. So the party goes and they drink and all right, I'm done for the night. Uh, you can have them separate or you can have them together. Um, I have a couple of examples of these that I'll let you guys totally take off of me. One is called the Eye Patch. That is the um, tavern I use. It's run by a half-orc named Davy Puckett. Um, Davy runs this and he has an eye patch. It was his it was his thing. He built this uh, he built this sucker. And so eye patch great uh you can you can take this for for your campaign. That's a great tavern. Another thing you need is a blacksmith. Every single party is going to say, "Is there a blacksmith? Can I go to the blacksmith?" Because there's stuff that you can do with a blacksmith that they can make special items for you. They can improve their weapons and their gear. Maybe saying, hey, I have this cool um, element that I just found. Can you incorporate this into my weapon? Um, One that I have, this is very near and dear to me. It was the first NPC I ever created um, a little over four years ago. Whenever I started playing D&D, I created this NPC. It was the first NPC I ever made. And it was Hawk Weaponry was the name of the blacksmith. And his name was Aaron Sparrowhawk. He's a human, beard, bandana, um, gr- dude, super cool dude. Really kind of just, he's a really fun guy. And I have a soft spot for him. And he's he's kind of reappeared in all of my campaigns, which is not a bad thing. Reusing NPCs in new campaigns, can it can be a fun breath of fresh air for your campaign of, Oh, I know that guy. Oh, that's so cool. I remember him from the last campaign. That's a lot of fun. Um, if you make memorable NPCs like that, they can kind of show up a little bit. They don't play pivotal roles like they did in the last campaign, but they're just kind of there. It's fun. That can be a really cool thing for your campaign. So Aaron Sparrowhawk and Hawk Weaponry. Uh, that was a great blacksmith. Another one is a magic shop or some potion shop. So whether you have a magic shop where the, uh, the, pl- the party can purchase magic items, or a potion shop where the party can um, buy healing potions or potions of speed or however you want to do that. Um, I have a magic shop called the Treasure Horde, or the yep, the Treasure Horde, um, and it is run by a guy named Zipkit Butters, who is a uh, halfling um, who is just happy to be there. He has these stilts that he walks on so he can stock the shelves. So Zipkit Butters and his boss, which is a huge, powerful Goliath named Rip Guts Bone Paste. Um, if that doesn't tell you enough about his boss, that is ridiculous. So Zip Kit Butters and Rip Guts Bone Paste, a, um, a apothecary or some type of potion shop, I have a place called Jade's Apothecary, which is run by a, a person named Jade. All these are kind of descriptors of who is running them, you know, the blacksmith hawk weaponry aaron sparrowhawk the eye patch with the half orc who has the eye patch himself um jade's apothecary run by jade uh she is uh she's actually a half orc um but she has a disguise self on her that is always active and so she looks like this really ugly witch with like a huge nose and like a big wart and she has a um the really crazy witch hat that kind of like it's a magical witch hat and it moves around and it like casts spells. The, the the magic hat itself, it has a funny personality. But actually what it is, it's her brother, um, Jasper, another half-orc who's invisible and is just moving around the hat and making funny noises and doing cantrips through the hat. Um, 
And so the party doesn't know this and they just have to deal with Jade, this really weird. And she's kind of flirtatious and she's kind of just kind of like, how are you today? And the party's like, you are so weird. Please do not touch me. She's super creepy. But after they get to know her uh, and she lets down this visage, they realize, oh, Jade's actually really cool. She just does that for, she just does it because it's fun and she enjoys getting to mess with people. But she actually is a very sweet person and she wants the party to succeed rather than just being a little flirtatious. So with that being said, that's pretty much it. For your campaign, you want to start with something that is going to engage the players, something that's going to get them to work together, something that is going to encourage them to work as a team, and something that is going to call them to something bigger than themselves. Um, you can do that in a myriad of myriad of ways, and you can do that in a myriad of, myriad of places. Um, these are all just simple guidelines. My encouragement to you is that regardless of how you start a campaign, the party is so excited to start this campaign with you. They are so stoked. So don't take it for granted. Um, if you make a mistake, if you're like, man, I wish I did this instead, or I just started my campaign. I didn't think of that. Dang it. I wish I thought of that. Hey, your campaign's still going. You still got it. The campaign is still happening. Um, so I encourage you that the party is going to enjoy it. They're going to love it. Um, a party is just thankful to have a DM that is set that is that is able to do what you can do. So don't take yourself for granted. Don't take the party for granted. Don't take your campaign for granted. Um, thank you so much for listening uh, to the fifth episode of the Wizard Apprentice podcast. I have been your host, Seth. Follow us on Instagram at the Wizard Apprentice podcast. Uh, we're we're releasing a um, episode about five times a week. Um, and so you can check there for our schedule of when we're posting. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you guys next time.